Welcome into episode two of the Kentucky Round Ball Roundup. You like that name, Zach? Do you like that? I love the name. I love the logo more. Oh, man, I'm telling you. So we so two weeks ago, we got this thing rolling and we had a Jack and Zach power hour round ball attack. You know, we were trying to play on the stupid Jack Zach nickname. Realize that's very corny, very cheesy, not going to work. So we just decided to scrap it entirely, and we just went with a fresh, clean Kentucky round ball roundup. And I think I, I like the way it sounds. And we uh, we got logo help from KSR Zones, Brent Wayne Scott. He did a fantastic job with that. So go look at Big that. Big shout out it, to Brent for that. Admire it while you're enjoying this podcast because he worked very hard on it, and we appreciate his time and his effort on that. So this week. So we, last week I was we I was absent. I uh, kind of disappeared from the world for five six days or so out west. I was in uh, Yellowstone with my wife, kind of before basketball season. Kind of just a refresh before basketball season starts later this month. Uh, so sorry about the the absence last week, but we are back. And holy moly, there's a lot of news to talk. Who's about. we? Who's we, Jack? Oh, Zach Gagan. I, I didn't even get to introduce you. Zach, how are you doing today? Dude, I'm doing fantastic. I'm glad to have you back. And I'm glad that we actually have, I mean, we, like you said, we have endless news to talk about today. So yeah, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to just get ready and rolling. Let, awesome. Let's actually, let's take a second. We kind of already talked about it off camera, but let's, let's give like a two minute spiel for your uh, Wyoming, Montana mountain boy excursion that you went on. So I, so we, my, my wife and I decided, okay, basketball season starts late November. She has some, some rotations. She's still in school. She's in grad school right now, graduating. I, I, she'll be officially done next, next year. It's, you know, midway through the year. Um, so, but her rotations start in January. So we're, we were trying to think, okay, well, next year is going to be super busy for us starting, you know, Thanksgiving on with college basketball. We were like, you know what, let's just take a quick vacation we can fit a weekend uh and let's just you know with all the stuff going on and how busy and hectic the news cycle is and, and you know we were just like you know what let's just disappear for a little while you know disconnect our phones and just have a good time so we uh in in two weeks we planned a we we said two weeks from right now we're going to fly out west we went to we flew into gardner montana drove south to jackson hole wyoming stayed there for three nights and then drove back up uh, to, to Gardner, Montana again, and stayed there for another two. And we got to see bison and wolves and bears and just, you know, red fox. I mean, it was, it was just awesome. It was, the weather was awesome. We got to, you know, go hike cool places and go see beautiful scenery and just, you know, enjoy life a little bit because, you know, it's, it's always just negative and, you know, negativity and pessimism and, you know, every, every time you look in the news or social media, it's always just negative, you know, negativity and pessimism. So we were like, screw it. Let's just get away from all that stuff and, uh, and just enjoy life a little bit. So that's what we did. And we definitely, uh, enjoyed life. So yeah, it was, it was a great time. You know, if you ever, if you ever moved out there, you'd already have a perfect, uh, name for yourself. You just, just call yourself the lumberjack. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were going to go with the pilgrim pun there, but, uh, Oh, uh, I didn't, yeah. Didn't even think of that yeah. one. Even though it's not really like Western-y, it's it's, but yeah. it, it's still a you know a a name that you can. But you had play you had fun. Time. Ultimately, yeah. that's you had fun. You disconnected for a little bit, and now you're. But back. we are back. But we are back, and we are uh, back. We, we have plenty, plenty, plenty. The round to ball talk roundup. About. 
with the round ball roundup. Kentucky basketball season starts later this month, and we actually got an official schedule. The schedule's mm-hmm. out. I mean, we, we know exactly when and where Finally. we are playing for the first time. So, uh, we, you know, do you have that pulled up by chance on you? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll get us rolling. You get the actual game-by-game thing scheduled. So, Kentucky is starting this season November 25th. It'll be on a Wednesday at Rupp Arena against Moorhead State. Zach, I'm interested to know what you think about that season opener. The Moorhead State, um, I mean, if you just look at those three teams in general, the more, the uh, the Richmond game is the one that I'm most interested in, obviously. They Moorhead were a tournament State team game, last year. Do what? They, they were going to be a tournament team. Yeah, before. yeah. So, Rich, that, that one will be a really fun game. The Moorhead State and Detroit Mercy. Detroit game, honestly, the Moorhead game would probably be ranked number three on the uh, viewability list. Um, just in terms of things I want to actually watch. But Moorhead State will be fun, you know, in-person or uh, in-state uh, rivalry. So that'll be cool. Or rivalry. I guess it's not really a rivalry. How, how often have we played Moorhead State? Is that like a – that's not uh, – Not often. Ever. Not very often. Yeah. So I'm just excited that we finally got this. I think it's interesting that they're going game, two days, game, two days, game, two days. Like it's they're kind of stacking things together there early, which I guess is kind of going to be necessary to – squeeze everything in together things in as as early and as often as we can in, mm-hmm. in a time of uncertainty with you know everything going on I mean I, I appreciate the efforts on on the schedulers part and and you know the school's part just to get everything you know scheduled and and, and worked out so quickly just because of of how I mean I mean they just announced yesterday that the champions classic was going to take place in Indianapolis I mean when we're like less than we're like three weeks away from the season right now so I, I appreciate how flexible they've been with this and trying to just navigate through how hard it all is and just said yeah we get everything's difficult we know that this is, is going to be a a season unlike any we've seen ever let's just do what we can and put a schedule out and they did and, and I, I really appreciate that the first three games of the season you know we usually have these early season events the non-conference events at Rupp Arena and in past years it's been Toledo, East Tennessee Tech, and, you know, you know, no-name schools, you know, Georgetown College as the local flavor, you know, whatever the case right. is, it's always been just, okay, we needed three games or four games or five games or whatever to check boxes on the schedule, schedule to say, hey, we played a game instead of actually noteworthy, noteworthy headline type games. Moorhead, you have actual local – flavor that's going to give you at least division one you know competition that's at least something that that people can look forward to Detroit Mercy obviously the Brad Calipari connection they're going to give you you know some entertainment value there and I think you know Richmond that's a school that that I mean they should have been they were going to make the NCAA tournament this past year they were on a lot of the preseason top 25 lists going into this year as well so I mean when you factor in just everything combined with this I think it's a hell of a way to start the season I'm gonna be totally honest I like it a lot and it doesn't it doesn't from what I can tell it doesn't seem like there was any big surprises any big add-ons it looks like all the nine non-conference games they added in are ones that we already knew about from Mm -hmm. what I can tell so there wasn't any big so I guess no let let me see it doesn't look like it no I guess we knew about all these games Georgia Tech Notre Dame UCLA Louisville so that's I mean those four games in it, like Kansas, Georgia Tech, Notre Dame, UCLA, Louisville. That's a <laughs> that's a pretty interesting uh, five game stretch there. Uh, you'll see, like, well, you'll learn a lot about the team early on. Um, 
I know we've we've heard some some stuff over the last few days about Cal kind of coming out and saying what he thinks of the team so far and where everyone's at. So who knows how those games will go if they're you know looking rusty and whatnot as we usually are. Um, so you'll definitely learn a lot. That Kansas game will be interesting, December first. I'm not sure. Uh, I know Kansas is supposed to be a little bit more veteran loaded than we are. Is that correct? Yeah, but they're not as top-heavy talent-wise as years before. I think they're going to be good, but not great. I think this is a good year to get them, actually. I think I think this is a year that definitely favors Kentucky just, just from a pure talent standpoint. So I definitely, personally, uh, I, I think we we caught Kansas in a good year, especially with, you know, all the NCAA stuff going on si- on the side. They're, they're a distracted bunch with their five level one violations, not knowing what's hanging ahead <laughs> yeah. of them. Uh, yeah. So – they're, they're a distracted bunch, and I would argue not as talented as, as usual. So um, I, I think Kentucky found, got them on a good, good year. But the, the question that I have for you, Zach, is how is it that Kentucky has to play their Champions Classic matchup on a neutral site in Indianapolis against Kansas, but Duke gets to host Michigan State at their home court? How does that work? Was there any – is there any more information about that? Or is, it got confirmed today. They didn't explain why at all? That's just the, I, I, I didn't personally see an explanation for it. But I mean, I'm trying to think maybe – trying to think maybe location works easier. But I guess that probably, so, doesn't, that probably doesn't make sense either. They're in Michigan, East Lansing. Yeah. In comparison with – I mean, wouldn't it be – in between both would be Indianapolis. Why would you not just have all four teams playing in Indianapolis? Hmm. Maybe if they're Duke, willing to maybe do a Duke neutral site. Check. I don't know. I think it's garbage. You shouldn't get a, a free home game out of the deal. Well, so then what are they going to do next year? You know, is then Duke going to go to Michigan State and we're going to play in Indianapolis again? Or That's what I'm saying. It, uh, okay, so this is what would have been the ideal scenario. Is if we went to Lawrence, Duke, like originally. Duke gets this. You know, Duke gets this one. That's fine. And I was okay with the with – the, with the campus idea but if we were going to do it we are the Kentucky is the away team this year so Kentucky would have head headed to Lawrence fantastic venue would have gotten them in a year with you know minimal fan attendance so would have worked out in Kentucky's favor quite a bit and then next year you flip them we play Duke next year they play at home this year obviously we would get the home game this year since we're playing on the road at at Kansas Boom. Why would we not? I mean, think about think about how massive it would be for the home schedule to get a get a Duke game. I mean, when's the last time we got Duke at Rupp Arena? Like, I honestly don't think that's ever happened. That's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, this is a I mean, it would be a a historical event. And, you know, I, I kind of assumed when when they announced the Indianapolis idea that it would, you know, that. Duke might they might not play in Indianapolis but they would play at some neutral site too because one's in a neutral site why not make both of them but to have one on a college campus and the other being on a neutral site it makes no sense to me whatsoever yeah that seems like uh maybe Duke wrote a check or something I don't know if they can do that or not but I'm sure they might have tried one thing the the power of a coach k phone call yeah exactly I will say I'm I'm looking they got so they I'm concerned about this three-day makeup window I feel like that might be a little too low of a number only three days to make up I yeah mean, how many how many games are there 27 total mm-hmm. so let's figure i mean let's figure some of these games are so cl- tight together like you know let's say kentucky gets a positive test right before 
the Detroit Mercy game, just to say it's really early. Then, you know, if they're doing the same sort of protocols that the SEC has instilled, which is what, like 10 days you have to sit up for football they're doing. So yeah. I would imagine it'll be something close like that in men's basketball. So, you know, if you miss, four, if you miss a bunch. 14. I think it's 14 in college basketball. Which 14 is what I don't see how that's going to stick if, if college football is different. Yeah, I, I have it, a feeling there have been some talks about that that, that potentially changing. So and they may they may just cancel like if you know if the game against Notre Dame needs to get canceled because of COVID, they might just cancel that one altogether. SEC games, you know, they'll probably end up making up everything. But I well, I, if, they if, if 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 they have an outbreak in one of the teams, you know, and you've got a couple players that have to sit out, you know, let's say two of Kentucky's best players need, need to sit out for 10, 10 days or fourteen days, which ends up being three games. Or maybe they just have to cancel those three games altogether. Uh, you know, making it a, just having a three-day window to make up three games doesn't seem like enough. It didn't they can't or didn't they um, the NCAA come out and say that there are no NCAA tournament that they have minimized the tournament guidelines this year um, in, in terms of how many games need to be played, how many games won. It's going to be. I, I thought it was a you must play at least 50% of your games to be qualified. But in terms of some of the other stuff, it's not, mm-hmm. you, you know, it's not as, as complicated as, as past years where, you know, certain number of games or whatever. So I, I don't know the specifics on that, but I do know that they're going to at least be more flexible in terms of if there does need to be a cancellation or whatever, uh, you know, right. kind of what they did with, with the bowl season where they said there's no minimum bowl, you know, number of wins to be eligible for a bowl this year, just because it's just mm-hmm. so, uh, things are just so so far up in the air. So, yeah, I, yeah. I, I see. I see the concern, but I, I think I don't think. I mean, you know, it's happened in football, so that, that's why I'm just drawing the precedent. Too. I'm not saying it'll happen or not, but in, in football, you know, they get it's they only play once a week, and you can squeeze in extra games towards the end of the season. You know, if you just you just need an extra two weeks at the end of the season. Um, but I guess they're, that's going to be harder to find an extra two weeks at the end of this basketball season. From if you know if they want to do everything in March, like it seems like they want to do. They want to try and get back on their their calendar to make sure that they can maximize their or at least you know the profits that they're used to. So, yeah, I'm interested to see how uh, how they deal with all that because it'll happen eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you know how the NFL uh, they kind of built in a free. I think the Super Bowl paid for two full weeks of um of like hotel rooms and stuff like that at the Super Bowl location in, in Tampa, I believe. Mm-hmm just because they knew that they're – and I think they're still talk about potentially adding a week 18 or something to the NFL season just because there's so many moving parts. Right now is when you need to be flexible. There's, I don't think that one little tiny window of grace period that the NCAA, that, uh, the NCAA and SEC have, have put forth I think that could be a moving target if need be, if, if they need yeah. to extend it Probably to a right. week and push the SEC tournament back a week, whatever. I, I think right now they need to know unprecedented times call for unprecedented schedules and deadlines and stuff like that. So I, I personally, I think everything is kind of up in the air right now and they're just going to kind of play it game by game, week by week, month by month at this point. Yeah. And that's probably the best bet. I mean, I would I would assume that their projections right now, like that March, what is it, 11th they want to start, March 10th they want to start the SC tournament. That's probably their earliest, earliest day. I would imagine that they've yeah. got all those played in and maybe go into April and even May if they need to, uh, especially for the NCAA tournament. But let's kind of uh, or 
do you got anything else you want to add to that or let's, you want to kind of shift here? What about, yeah, sure. uh, what do you think about big blue madness going, uh, kind of virtual this year, even more so than it has been. Cause we, they've, they've done it on sec network. What the last like couple of years, it's always been on there. Um, and they used to do it at yeah. Memorial a couple, like maybe early two thousands. They, they did it the that. last time they did it was Oh four. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they've done this before, I guess, but it'll sure be different. Oh, definitely. And I'm, I'm very excited uh, that, that, you know, knowing what's going on right now and knowing that, you know, pre you know, the exhibition games are are canceled, no big scrimmages allowed or, you know, anything like that. Probably no blue white game, right? That's not going to happen. Right. Well, and that's kind of what I'm saying. This is going to be the first opportunity for us to see this group. And I'm glad that, you know, Opening tip, November 25th isn't the first time that we get to see these kids. Even, even though, you know, yeah, the scrimmage that they do is probably not going to be the most, you know. It'll be typical detailed, Big Blue Madness competition. Be, but I almost think it's going to be a little bit more competitive because they know they don't have the blue-white scrimmage. I think they're going to try to combine both events and give you the entertainment and pizzazz of normal Big Blue Madness, get the player introductions, probably get a – you know, a little short John Calipari speech, you know, whatever. Definitely get a speech. And then and then make sure that the scrimmage isn't them throwing full court alley-oops of, you know, just just being stupid, you know. Yeah. Well, just, so do you just, think they're going to set up like some sort of stage and kind of have everyone come out and do their own dances and everything? Sure. I mean, if they're going to tell about you think they'll still do everything like that? For sure. And, and Try I think, and set it up just like a normal, regular Big Blue Madness. If I remember correctly, Which previous boring, years that the, the – ACC Network, haven't they done – I mean, obviously the majority being Kentucky's Big Blue Madness, but don't they usually kind of go to each different – you know, each different event throughout college basketball if there's multiple – They do the for – I don't know about other SEC schools, but I know like Memphis is always on TV and uh, they'll always try and find Kansas is on there too. Yeah, and I think we know about that's Kansas usually when – I think it's usually when it's on ESPN. When it's ESPN, they do all of them. So maybe the SEC network is strictly just just Kentucky's. But I remember growing up, it was always, you know, if I wasn't able to go to Big Blue Madness, it was like, oh, yeah, it's televised. And then you turn it on that night, and they show five minutes of Kentucky's, and then they switch, oh, well, let's go check out what Kansas is doing. Right. Oh, let's go to Duke. Let's do this. It used to be at midnight, didn't yeah. it? Like yeah. forever ago. Because like, that was when I was real young, because it was at midnight, and I never stayed up for that. Yeah, that's that's how young I was. So it's definitely changed. But yeah, I'm I'm glad that we're getting this opportunity to see these kids, you know, get learn their personalities. That's the biggest complaint every single year with this rotating roster that fans don't get the opportunity to see these kids up close and personal. They don't get the chance to learn their names, learn their games, learn their styles because they're in and out in eight months. So yeah, we got social these, media now. No yeah, excuse for that. Yeah, I I personally think I mean there's YouTube. You get full game highlights. I mean we on on my source of say podcast. I interview have the half these kids every year anyway. I mean I we we try to do a good job of of making sure you know who these kids are before they get on campus. But still, that's still a a growing complaint every single year that they don't get to know these these kids well enough. And mm-hmm. I I appreciate that UK is going out of their way to. Say so, yeah, I understand these are tough times. I understand that you're not going to get the same level of interaction that you usually would at a Big Blue Madness camp out or uh, you know whatever. But they're still going out of their way to make sure that these events are still being uh, you know put forth and that you do get to see these kids before before the opening tip. So when we do finally get this Big Blue Madness, it's sounding like our 
the three players to watch are going to be obviously Terrence Clark and BJ Boston and then Isaiah Jackson. So what else are you kind of hearing or what's going on? Where, where are you at with some of these players? Well, I going in this summer, all the talk was Terrence Clark and BJ Boston, BJ Boston, Terrence Clark, just because when you have two consensus top 10 recruits recruited by everybody in the country, especially at six foot seven, both elite scorers, you know, when you get those two headlining guys, obviously that's going to be the talk. So I, I've been trying with my, like on my other show and, and, you know, if I've been on a radio appearance or what, or, you know, writing on KSR or whatever, I've obviously, you know, given the props to the the two headliners. I mean, they, they deserve it. They're going to be UK's two best players, but everybody knows that already. So I've been trying to dig a little bit more and, and figure out, okay, who else is, who, who else is, needs to be highlighted? Who else is going to be making an impact? And obviously Isaiah Jackson was the name that very quickly, I didn't hear his name immediately. Um, you know, I, it was obviously it was the Devin Askews of the world and, you know, maybe like a Lance Ware or something like that. You heard some some bright things about that. And then it, it went from almost zero buzz to every time you talk to somebody within the program or every time you talk to somebody that has been watching or or has, you know, parents or, you know, other family members of, of players that you that you talk to. Every single time they were bringing up, oh man, but you got to watch Isaiah Jackson. That's a kid. That's a pogo stick in a human body. That's a kid that he's going to go up and block shots. His length is just ridiculous. He can, you know, his putback dunks, his alley use. I mean, he does everything on the floor that you look for out of a, you know, in a, an athletic six foot ten forward. So, uh, so that was a name that quickly, you know, quickly progressed as as one one to watch. Heard a lot of great things about Davion Mintz. Um, and I, I know on KSR today, they were kind of talking about the back and forth between Devin Askew and, and Davion mm-hmm. Mintz. But I, I think Kentucky is very confident in the fact that they – and that's why they recruited – that's why they brought in Davion Mintz 100%. They you know, talked to people within the program. They said, you know, we have Devin Askew. We know what he's going to be. We want him to be our guy by the time March rolls around. But – you want a Davion Mintz just in case Devin Askew struggles or has some bad turnovers to start the year, whatever the case is, they wanted a guy that could be the stable force on mm-hmm. the, on the roster at point guard. And that's exactly what Davion Mintz is. And, and, you know, they're comp- competing hard. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that's going to, that's going to pay off in a massive way for Kentucky to have um, at their, at their disposal. Heard a lot of thing, good things about Lance Ware. I think he's going to be a, a a strong, tenacious rebounder. I think he's a work. I, I kind of compare him to like Reed Travis a little bit, but you know, not just in in size. He's he's very thin. Obviously, doesn't have the brute strength that Reed Travis had, but just the workhorse down low that that is going to you know he, he's he's going to go fight for the tough rebounds. He's going to have the tough putbacks. He's going to you know finish some tough baskets down low. And it's, you know, there's always value in that. Um, but yeah, those are kind of the biggest, biggest names. And I also heard Jacob Toppin when, but it was like the day before, uh, his eligibility was, was made official. I talked to a parent and he was like, I've been, you know, I have some film, I've been watching practices and I'm like, I just, I just don't see why Jacob Toppin needs to sit out a year. I mean, yeah, he's a little bit behind from everybody else, but he's not a kid that you look out there and go, Oh, he needs a redshirt year. He has to sit out a year. He's a guy that, you know, what we were talking about, say a, a player on the team gets COVID, say an injury happens, say whatever, you know, whatever, the, whatever the, the case is, having him as your probably 11th man on the roster 
is just nuts. I mean, to have a guy that, that was a high-level contributor at a D1 school like Rhode Island, he, you know, put up big numbers against Alabama. He, you know, some of the, D1, the high major D1 games that he played in last year, he put up 10-plus points. So it's not like you're asking – Isaac DiGregorio, you know, a walk-on, you know, who's not no longer with the program, or, you know, a Riley Welch to come in and, and contribute. You have an 11th man on the roster that's going to come in and give you something. And and just, I mean, there, there's just so much value in that. I don't know if they're going to do the platoon system or, you know, I don't know about any of that type of stuff, but you have 11 warm bodies on the roster that are going to contribute from day one. And they're, they're, I mean, that in itself is just wildly, wildly and in, in, uh, just incredibly valuable for the program. From what I, I saw, uh, Kyle Tucker put something out in The Athletic earlier. I think it was either, either today or last night. Talking I think about it was earlier this morning, yeah. Um, a, lot of, a lot of cool stuff in there that he talked about. My, the thing that I drew the most, uh, or the thing that stuck out to me the most was when Cal, he was talking about Cal and the NBA and how he was kind of you know stuck inside and pretty much just watched NBA games all summer and how he's kind of incorporating a little bit more NBA sets into his offense and practice. Um, and I'm, as you probably know, I love that idea, mm-hmm. mainly because if we're going to go this deep and have these, you know, these versatile guys, like if we have a six, seven Terrence Clark, who can play point guard or a six ten Isaiah Jackson, who can apparently shoot threes, which we will see about that. Don't but buy that. If, if he can do like, you know, he doesn't even have to do that. He's, if he can be a good passer, if you can, if like, if Calipari can use Bam or like an Isaiah Jackson or Olivier Saar, the way he, the way Bam out of bio is being used right now in Miami, right. You know, and kind of just accelerate the process. Cause Bam probably, Bam obviously wasn't as good as he is now, but Bam could have done some of the small passing things right. a little bit more than he did at UK. So if Cal's going to start doing more of that stuff, I would love to see, cause Olivier Saar from what we heard or what we've seen is not a bad passer by any means. So, mm-hmm. you know, you put him at the high posts and have, all these guys like Terrence Clark and BJ, but Boston cutting around. That is what really in, entices me. Is, you know, if we can see more five out offense, like if Olivier Sar can come out and shoot threes or Isaiah Jackson can come out and shoot threes, stuff like that. And they were talking about short rolls. So, you know, just having these guys sit there and pick and pop, like that's, and if they can pass, especially too, that's just going to make a world of difference. And that, that's really what I'm very much looking forward to now is Cal's really, he's, I feel like he's, taken a while to really incorporate NBA stuff into his offense. And now it's after watching it be so wildly successful through his own players, I think he kind of opened up and was like, you know what? I should be doing this. Well, we've heard every single, so I believe it was two off seasons ago. um, I I talked to somebody within the program that said, um, this is the year we're going to really get back to that dribble drive. We're going to get back to, you know, because I mean the last several years, I mean, Kentucky's offense just kind of, hit a standstill I mean it was just kind of just not that free-flowing go 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 type that you know that he kind of hypes up that dribble drive to be don't think they had enough shooters they're just not right well and that that, that's obviously a a, a significant games just changed and we just need to open the floor more is really Mm -hmm. just part of it yeah And, and so we've we've heard that in the past but I think this year in particular, talking to recruits, talking to, you know, the parents of recruits and, and where they are wanting to go to school, like a guy like, uh, <clears throat> like a guy like Kennedy Chandler, who, who committed to Tennessee, talking to, you know, talking to those guys, 
they weren't all that interested in Kentucky's offense and the way things were running until they went to the three-guard lineup and things kind of sped up a little bit with Emmanuel Quickly, Ashton Hagens, and, and Tyrese Maxey. It kind of took a little bit of a of an adjustment before they said, oh, okay, that's an offense that we could see envision. And I, he ended up going to Tennessee. It doesn't really matter. But I'm just saying talking to recruits and talking to – you know, the family members of recruits, they're noticing how these systems are being run. They're noticing, okay, am I going to be able to thrive in this slow, you know, molasses offense, you know, where they're not getting shots up, that the pace is slow. They're not, you know, am I going to be able to, to show off what I can do in this offense? And I mean, I think that was a genuine question. And when they kind of, when Calipari saw what that three guard lineup could do and, and how fast things changed and how, how much the offense just kind of, you know, developed and, and you know, that team completely changed when, the, when he made the jump to, to, to that lineup. So I think when he saw that work in the NBA bubble this offseason, he kind of had to look at, look at himself in the mirror and go, this is the way things are ro- rolling. My team worked last year when I kind of did an NBA-looking team where you just put the best players out on the floor and not worry about, you know, point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward. It's more of the, the Brad Stevens guards, big men you know, or just, or just ball handlers and forwards or, you know, whatever the case is when, when Calipari saw this summer that that's the way that the NBA is moving forward, his team looks better whenever it's kind of a free flowing type deal and knowing what he has on this roster this year, how much depth they have, how much speed, size, length, athleticism, all that stuff. It was something that he had to look at himself in the mirror and go, yep, I think this is where I'm going. I think I, I'm pretty certain this is where where this team is headed, and, and I'm I'm glad that that he he has done that, and that they're already not this that this wasn't a midseason transition. That this is something that he's already implemented. It's going, and that's what we're going to see this year, guaranteed. Well, the dribble drive obviously has always been his thing. Uh, I mean, going back, Dewan Wagner, Derrick Rose, John Wall, that's always been his thing. That's what's been work. That's what's worked for him. And then in the last five or so years, the NBA has kind of changed how we're playing the game and the college basketball has slowly picked up after it. But, you know, it's kind of what you're saying, like Cal looked at himself and was like, like the last five years or so, part of it is not getting these, these superstar quote unquote players. Um, But, you know, like you said, the offenses haven't been as spectacular as they could be. And it, it took him to go away from, you know, trying to have a guy just pound the rim Uh, and switch to like a three guard lineup and stuff like that. And finally figure out that, you know, just getting one guy that's six foot four and is faster than everyone to run to the rim is just, you're just not going to win that way anymore. If you're going to do that, you got to start with a bunch of shooters and he hasn't done that. So what now they're going to start, obviously, you know, he's had all these UK players and one of, or the NBA players and one of his, one of the big drawbacks, or I guess not even drawbacks, but, one of the criticisms against Cal is that the players don't get maximized at UK before they go to the NBA. Right. And I think part of that is true because they need to work in an, in the offense that he wants to employ, as opposed to letting them show every single set of their talent. But I think what he saw this summer was that maybe if he actually does try and work more NBA stuff into his offenses, he's seen that it, it works. Maybe, you know, Tyler Hero was just here a year ago. So who's to say he couldn't have done some of the things that he was doing at Kentucky? Um, and I think that Cal's going to try and figure out if he can unlock that sort of stuff to see if, you know, 
in Kyle Tucker's thing, he's talking about how Terrence Clark is attacking the rim and probably isn't going to shoot that many threes or shouldn't. Terrence Clark should shoot as many threes as he can, in my opinion. That's all that does is just open things up. And that's what happens. That's what made the Miami Heat so good was you had Tyler Hero shooting every shot he could. Obviously, Terrence Clark probably isn't good of a shooter, but same similar sort of concept. You have to have that constant threat who's always got a guy on him. And then if you have Olivier Sarr at the top of the key, who's got another defender right on top of him because Olivier Sarr is trying to make a backdoor pass. These are the type of things that I, that Cal hasn't well discovered, I guess in the last, or hasn't really employed the last few years. And I think now he's going to try and actually do it because he's seen it work. Yeah. And, and when you have a guy like Olivier Sarr, when you have length athleticism and a guy like Isaiah Jackson, where you you can kind of rely on them to get those offensive boards and, and, and take more risks and kind of have that, Terrence, we know that if you miss this three, it's not possession over run back on defense, even if you miss. There's a chance that A, you either follow your shot or B, one of our, you know, even BJ Boston, a six foot seven guard. I mean, there's not a single guy on the roster that's smaller than six three. So knowing what you have, I mean, it kind of creates that added flexibility of, yeah, you know, not saying be more reckless, but still if you want to take more risks and, and take more chances and, and, you know, potentially be that fast, you know, get shots up as fast as you can, you know, type those, those thrilling fast, like 96 Patino type offenses where you're just go, go, go. Those are the entertaining things in, in that we are kind of sort of seeing in the NBA now that, I mean, this is definitely something that we're going to be seeing this year, uh, you know, w- with this roster and, and what Cal Perry has been pushing in practice. So, yeah, if you wanna, definitely if you exciting times. Yeah. And if you want to argue that, you know, this would be the year to try some of that stuff just because, you know, like, like you're saying, there's the NCAA tournament requirements aren't going to be as uh, severe as they normally are. You know, we're probably going to have missed games and stuff. You know the, the the top seeds. I feel like at the end of the at the end of the season might not necessarily be the best teams. They could just have been the teams that you know kind of looked out with scheduling and stuff like that. So I feel like this could be a year where seeding and stuff like that might not matter as much, and you're more you're free to try and experiment with more stuff like that. So mm-hmm. that's that's my hope is we'll see just a little bit more NBA uh, initiation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If that makes sense. I don't think that part made sense, but. Whatever. Yeah, mate. yeah, I got you. Um, anything else men's basketball you want to talk about? I mean, big, big recruiting week. I mean, they may Kentucky got three. Re- I don't. Even, I think the last time we were on the show, we didn't even get we around. Didn't have to any Sky. Of we didn't. Well, I think Sky Clark had been committed because right. we recorded that Friday, and, and then the it was the day after the day after Sky committed, but we didn't even get get around to talking about it. So, and we don't need to drone on about it, but just acknowledging the fact that. Calipari went Olivier Saar, Jacob Toppin Wednesday night, getting both, both of them getting eligible Thursday night, Sky Clark committing to Kentucky for the class of 2022. Very possible that he moves up to 2021. That's still up in the air, but a big addition, five-star top 15 level talent. Nonetheless, uh, just a couple of days later, Bryce Hopkins announced his announces his commitment to Kentucky, uh, former Louisville commitment, obviously big headlines there and just kind of how that, that how that happened, how long it kind of took for him to, you know, kind of change his mind, decommit from Louisville. UK emerges an early favorite, kind of took a couple extra weeks than many people anticipated, but still ends up at, at the school we all 
all expected. And then this past weekend, I believe a week, I believe it was Halloween Saturday or mm-hmm. Saturday <laughs> um, that, that Damian Collins announces his commitment to Kentucky, chooses Kentucky over uh, Oklahoma, Texas, Texas Tech, uh, and, and Kansas. Just three back-to-back-to-back huge commitments for the program. And then before that was the, the waivers with Olivier Saar and, and Jacob Toppett. So just mm-hmm. – Massive week for just new additions, kind of new additions with Olivier Saar and Jacob Toppin, and I, I guess official additions for them. Um, but I mean, the, the the you know the dice are hot right now. I mean, Calipari has some recruiting mojo right now. They got some steam. They got some momentum, uh, and you know we'll I believe the early signing period begins next week. So we're gonna get those guys locked up and and you know right. signed on for for the future Calipari will be able to talk about them and, you know, we'll get press releases about their official editions and all that. But usually it's a domino effect, snowball effect. Whenever, you know, we, whenever one commitment happens, usually it's kind of a snowball. All right. Okay. Yeah. I, I see Kentucky in the, you know, in the headlines, they're on the bottom ticker sports center. We, it, it usually turns into, to, you know, significant momentum and, We've already seen that, and maybe they can turn it into some other momentum with guys like Hunter Salas, and and you know, you know, you, you just never know with with Calipari right now. I mean, he just he just definitely has it all put together, and recruiting momentum is certainly there. Yeah, I don't think it's going to slow down anytime soon either. Right. Um, so let's kind of move on here. Women's basketball. We have plenty of news to talk about from there. Real quick, I've actually got a couple things written down here. I might just start rattling them off. If you've got anything you want to interject, rapid about, fire. Go for it. Go for it. So, their schedule, unlike the men's team, we know absolutely nothing about. We, <laughs> we do know there will be – we know a couple of things, or a couple of things that I've figured out. There's no UK-UL game. Um, Matthew Mitchell uh, announced that – or him and Jeff Walls, the Louisville coach, announced that last week. That's not going to happen. It's Corona stuff. It's coming back next year, though, so that'll be nice. That will be a bad game to lose, though, because Louisville's going to be a top-10 team. Um, so, having that matchup would have been really nice, again, especially since it was a really good game last year. Um, they're going to be playing in the Big 12 SEC Challenge as well. They're playing at Kansas State, which has already been set for December 3rd. They're also going to be playing Samford in the non-conference on December 13th. The only reason I found that out is because Samford actually posted that to their website. So I have that. (laughs) Yeah, UK hasn't even announced that one yet. So right now we know that they'll play Kansas State December 3rd and Samford December 13th. No UL game. They'll probably do I think the the women's SEC schedule is going to be very similar to the men's thing. Um I think I think they're doing what was it 16 or 18 men's games. They're doing two uh, yes. Yep. 18 men's so it's 16's women's games. Um they have like the 3-day um makeup game period as well that I'm sure it's going to be the same sort of deal. I think their season though uh, or their SEC season starts a day after the men's. So it's all kind of lined up in the same thing. But let's see. What else do we got here? Uh, the uh, transfers that we were hyping up last two weeks, Jasmine, Massengill, and Robin Benton, Matthew Mitchell said will probably not play. Um, it doesn't sound like they're going to get their waivers for what reason. I, did, I, still, did I still he can't confirm, figure it out. Did he confirm that they are actively looking for them? Though? He didn't. Okay. So he's him and UK have been very, very – picky about their word they've been very choosy about their words he even he said that he doesn't what he said was he doesn't expect them to play if we find any more information we'll let you know so from what i understand that what that tells me is they still are looking 
they're still hoping like they may the waiver trans or uh, whatever it's called may still be active, but they do not in any by any means expect that to happen. And at this point, you know, their season's still going to start the 25th or 26th. So can you, I mean, I guess you could throw a player in like that, but that would be kind of rude by the SEC to wait that long, I feel like, but I would take them personally. Yeah. But so without them, uh, we've had to try and figure out who was going to fill those voids. And apparently the number one pick has been freshman, our first-year player, Niall Leveretter from uh, – she's from Georgia. I don't want to – I might get that wrong. But she's six foot three. Uh, she is like the – she's skinny, long. She's going to be the player that can open up the floor uh, for can, uh, the women's team in the same way that the men's team is going to try and uh, go with. Because the men's team and women's team are actually going to be a lot similar in uh, their play styles this year because they'll be incredibly versatile. They have height everywhere, like across the board. You know, they've got like – you know, Terrence Clark and BJ Boston having six, seven wings is the, pretty much the equivalent of having Ryan Howard and Treasure Hunt at right. six, two wings. So those, two, those, uh, they're going to create a bunch of weird lineups. Matthew Mitchell said he's going to try and do some weird stuff, maybe try and do less five out stuff like he has normally done, uh, and try and roll with more center, like more big lineups. He can potentially go with like three or three big, uh, three forwards if he wants to three centers or a center and two forwards if he wants to and then throw out two guards who are over six feet tall so and on the flip side he can do some of what he talked about was playing uh Dreana edwards who's a six foot two uh she was the pac-12 freshman of the year at uh, utah before she came here and then had an acl injury but she apparently is a really good passer she can shoot at six foot two so she's a player that matthew mitchell said could play at the three and if you play her at the three, you know, you could do weird stuff, play Ryan Howard at the four even or at the two. So they're going to have line of versatility that's just as crazy as the men's team. And Matthew Mitchell said that he's going to try and incorporate some of that weird stuff as well. Um, speaking of him, he is doing better after his uh, brain surgery. I don't know. if Did you hear the uh, full story of what happened to him? Uh, I know of the injury slash situation, but not the full, the full context of the story. So after, uh, the tournament got canceled back in March, he and his family went on a trip to Mexico and, uh, apparently while they were out hiking, uh, they were hiking and, or something. And this is what he said. They were hiking and he tripped, uh, landed on his head, got a concussion while they were down there was like kind of holed up for a day or two, but ultimately felt fine. And then in June or July, he was starting to get really bad migraines and they took him to the hospital eventually because it got so bad. And they figured out that his, or that he had a crack in his skull and he was bleeding um, pretty uh, enough to the point where they immediately put him into surgery and patched that up. So his, uh, wouldn't he, I guess that was a week ago. Eight days ago, he that was his first public appearance in yeah. March or something like that. So it was cool to see him doing back. He says he's finally running practices and feeling a little bit better back. He said he should be back to 100% by the time the season starts. So all good news there all around for the most part on the team, except for that Jasmine Massengill and uh, Robin Benton news. But other than that, they're going to start out as a top 10 team as well, just like the men's team. So good news all around from both sides. I'm I'm going to wait and see on the transfers i i just don't envision a scenario I, I just i just don't see it i don't know how the ncaa won't by the time the season starts say eh, or you know even like during the season or like well and that's the thing because with joey gatewood 
Yeah. That, that right. took until the week after. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, that's obviously not the same situation because it's not like we played Tennessee and Auburn the first week, right. but you know, they could, there's a precedent there for them to do that. So it'll be, I, I think you're, I think it's still open. I think the case is open and they're still looking at it, but if you're the head coach, you don't want to put out there, yeah, we're very hopeful. We think that it's going to still happen and then have it not mm-hmm. come to fruition. You would rather be like, eh, we'll see, kind of not sure right now. I doubt it, but. And they've been playing very coy about it. So I, that's probably, they're probably still hoping, but they are, you know. Think about how, think, think about how the Olivier Saar and Jacob Toppins announcement came about they kind of said over and over again yeah we're hoping we're hoping we think that we've done enough we think that his case is good we think that their cases are good but we will know whenever you guys do or you you guys know whenever we do uh and then it was just a random like wednesday or thursday night just out of the blue boom both of them back to back and you know game uh, the season the 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 landscape of the college basketball season was completely changed with two tweets so It really we, was. We, we, just, we just never know with the NCAA or how things are being announced or how long things take or any of that stuff. So I, I personally, they won't, they can play it coy. They can, you know, they can do whatever they want. I, I am personally going to continue to have optimism because do you th- there's do just you no reason that, not to. Do you think that if, if it got denied, they would have just already come out and said that too? Right. And that's my biggest thing. If, if, if they're willing to come out and say, we don't know if they're going to be able to play, we doubt it at this point, but we'll let you know if we hear anything. Well, because the, even the Olivia Owen situation, who was the Maryland transfer, the only thing that's different there is uh, Big Ten to SEC as opposed to SEC to SEC. But her, time, her situation was the like whenever they were describing how they were dealing with the transfer issues for the other two, they always lumped Olivia Owens in together. So they were all like – UK was framing it that they were all under the same sort of circumstance or situation. So yes, hope should still be held out, but I'm going to go into the season expecting that they don't play, but if sure. they do, it really, it wouldn't be that that much of a shock. And it generally would change the landscape of women's college basketball from the fact that sure. they would jump from a top 10 to a top five team without a doubt. I would argue like top three, top yeah. two. I mean, they're going to be, Really, well, it's, it's really like why would and it it comes back to why the answer the issue of why would they not like what's what what would be the the main reason why and the, S- the SEC SEC the SEC transfer rule is now out of the window right now so yeah there's just, there's not even that for them to go well I don't know about you know we can, still can't confirm that yet there's there's no legal reason for them to not yeah. be eligible at this point so we still have like we got. A little under three weeks, so there's still plenty of time. Yeah, but I will go right now. I will go in expecting that they don't play. That's what I'll I'll just say that. Um, I think that's pretty much. Oh, I will say, uh, kind of going back to the, this is kind of just like a a wash of a year in terms of eligibility. Um, so we've already had key, uh, a lot of uh, media players have been asking seniors if you know they might come back for that fifth year since they can kind of do that now mm-hmm. and kiki mckinney who's probably going to be the you know third or second or third best player on the team this year already was kind of like yeah i'm thinking about it i might come back for a fifth year which would just change that changes that oh. would change it's one of those things that changes everything and it's it goes back to con- like the men's team too you know if players like that i 
probably less likely that'll happen for them as opposed to the women's team. But the women's team could probably stock up two or three fifth year seniors, which would be amazing for the, for the following year. So I mean, that would that's, be, that's something that's going to have to be kept an eye on as well. Yeah. I mean, we've, that's far the last time we the last time we did the show we talked about how this year is kind of a yeah we hope it could be one of those elite eight final four level years but next year is the one that 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 we're talking legitimate final four championship level like all right yeah. let's like let's let's roll let's roll the balls out there let's let's do this thing you add that new dynamic to it you add you know even just one or two surprise i mean just one surprise i mean that would just be Wow! With this rule, it essentially could make it could make this this year's team could be the exact same version as next year's team. Mm-hmm. Be identical plus with the two transfers plus growth and, the, and development from this yeah, year and so, the yeah. extra year of production. So that's that's very scary to think about uh, for the rest of the college basketball world. But I guess we also got to think about you know other teams will get the benefit of that doubt as well. So we'll see how it all shapes up. That's probably still a long way away, and we'll see if that actually sure. happens. Yep. Um, let's see, you want to do a little, let's see, what is our time? I think we're at about 50 minutes. So you want to yeah. do, do we'll some, do, we'll uh, run through quick NBA stuff. Yeah. So here, let me kind of just run through what we're looking at right now. So I'm actually, there might actually, news is supposed to drop sometime today, potentially, um, regarding the official season. I know the players association kind of tentatively agreed to it last night. So we'll, let me kind of just run over what we've got here. So. Um, they're going to most likely start the season December 22nd, as opposed to Martin Luther King Day, which is oh shit, I already forget January, January 18th. January 18th. So they're going to do the 22nd thing because there's a reported 500 million to a billion dollars that they would lose uh, just from those Christmas Day games and all that, uh, mm-hmm. all the TV revenue that they would get from that. So it kind of came to the point where it was like, look, if you don't do this, we're going to have to take even more money out of your escrow or which they're already going to do, which is apparently they're going to take like 18% of the player's escrow over three years, which is like, which doesn't sound like that much, I guess, but for like LeBron James, 18% of 40 million is like, it's like $8 million. That's a lot of money, I guess not in the grand scheme of things, but so they had to do that for all that type of stuff. Um, what that means is the draft is still going to happen on the 18th. Probably what's going to happen is free agency will begin shortly after John Hollinger of the athletic said that he thinks it'll happen on the 20th or the 21st. And then training camp starts on December 1st. And just like that, bing, bang, boom, we're back to the season. So the plan or the expectation is that whenever a formal agreement is signed within like today or something like that, that maybe like by Monday they can start doing trades. Yeah. So, you know, we're 12 days away from the draft, probably about three or four days from businesses, business opening back up to, uh, to trade season. And then a couple of weeks after that, it's back. I mean, this is going to be an insane turnaround. I'm very interested to see how they pull this all off. We are 46 days away from the NBA season. Is that the official number? 46 days? 46 That's days crazy. away from the NBA season. It ended, it ended like October 11 days ago. It ended October 11th, Man. and we are now 46 days away. I mean, okay, I'm a selfish basketball-loving individual. I'm going to take it. I, mean, I am a, I'm, I, look at, I look at it in, in my perspective, and I go, November 25th is the start of college basketball, and we're going to get NBA basketball all the way through the summer, including 
the the Olympics, which that'll be in July. So we're going to get November. That's the main reason why is they want to do this start is they have that Olympics thing too. They want to worry about, or that's not the main reason, but part of it. it. Yeah. But November through July, we're going to have college or we're going to have some level of competitive basketball. And mm. that is just, but just my mind can't even wrap around the idea of we just spent all summer dissecting and discussing and, and talking about how much we enjoyed that season and how, there was just how how grateful we were to get the sport back, and I mean I remember the first exhibition, you know, the 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 preseason of the bubble games that we saw. I remember watching it was that Clippers Magic game, the very first one where they toss a ball for the first time. It was like an emotional moment where you're like, "Wow, we're getting real life sports back," <laughs> and. Like you know, when when the season kind of ended, it was like, oh man, that that like build up, that emotional, wow, you know, the, how, how much we were looking forward to it. It's gone, and then boom, we're getting it forty six days later. I mean, we're literally, I mean, you, you laid out that timeline perfectly. We're gonna have trades potentially as early as next week. Two weeks from now, we're gonna get the the we're gonna get the NBA draft. So there's gonna be a ton of talk about that. Just a couple of days after that, we're going to get free agency. One of my favorite times of the year. It's like Christmas. Well, not, it's going to be Christmas because it literally is Christmas. Yeah. Training camp starts December 1st, and then 22 days later, December 22nd, we're getting the NBA season. I mean, there's there's no offseason. I mean, there, there's never an offseason. But there is physically not an offseason this year. It's just yeah. – Wow. And that's that's how I'm interested to see how it all kind of plays out. The 72, you know, they knocked off 10 games. They're going to go to 72 games. Um, they're probably going to do like a playing tournament. They're doing no all-star weekend, no all-star break or anything like that. Um, so I'm interested to see how some of those players that played late, like the Lakers and the Heat, uh, or even the teams that got to the Western Conference Finals or East, the Conference Finals, you know, how their bodies are going to respond to return or that, that sort of a turnaround you know, especially like LeBron James, do you, like, do we realistically see LeBron playing 60 of the 72 games this year? I personally do not. Um, unless there's right. a lot of uh, some sort of financial incentives that goes into it. But I, you know, I would see players like that taking, taking days off. They're not going to do back to backs as, as nearly as much. So that'll be all right. But this, this sort of a turnaround, I mean, normally they get what, like a five month off season. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, even even if you're an NBA champion, you usually July about three to, months. July to October. So yeah, and that's that's if you win it all. So now you're you know you're kind of bumping that up about a month and a half. So we'll see uh, we'll see how physically everybody responds. It'll probably be a lot of stuff where you see low minutes and stuff like that for players at the beginning, but eventually they'll hit their stride. And you're going to have teams like you know the Cavs who are going to be like, let's go, like we're ready. We're we're think, we're going to play 72 games right now. I think that is the biggest. That I think that is the biggest incentive for them outside of the Olympics, outside of the, just the financial, you know, financial aspect of, of losing time and games by starting later um, is the fact that they haven't played since March. I mean, there are teams like in like high dollar individuals like Steph Curry and Kyrie and, and KD, those type of guys. I mean, not counting the inner injuries and all that stuff, but you, you have star power that I mean, they haven't played since March. You know, they're waiting for you know for their own reasons. They you know they have to get back at some point and start getting real games. Well, think about Cat for them. Yeah, 
Carl Anthony Towns, Trey Young. I mean, there's so many high-level guys that have been sitting there patiently waiting for their return, and 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 I see the incentive for them to 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 get things back going early. You know, minute restrictions to start with, kind of ramp up into high-level competitive basketball there. You know, a, a month or so into the season, but you got to start somewhere and. I understand that as a quick off season, I understand that guys like LeBron and even Bam, Tyler Hero, you know, those, those, the people that played later in the, in, into the off season or into the season and in, in the playoffs, they're at more of a disadvantage, but you know, you can, you can justify that with a more money in their pockets and be by telling them they don't have to play, you know, you could play 20 minutes tonight, 25 minutes, 30, you can kind of ramp things up uh, as the season goes on. So I, I think it's a net win for basketball fans. And I think it's going to end up being a net win for the NBA players who after a financially questionable and uncertain year, it, it's going to be good to get some level of, of, uh, you know, stability back. And you know, the, the NBA has already kind of been lax to an extent on, uh, rest man or load management or whatever term you want to use. Um, they kind of have already just been okay with it, but you know, they'll threaten with fines and stuff like that. Um, right. Unless you're, if you're sitting like an ESPN game, they'll say no, but otherwise I think you're going to see a lot more of that and just a little bit more leniency from the, from the NBA even more so. And you know, if, if LeBron wants to sit out a couple games in a row, I think the NBA is not going to say anything about it unless he's sitting out ESPN games and games that they need to make mm-hmm. that money back because Th- those those primetime games are going to be even more important than they were before. So you're not going to be you won't be seeing him sitting out any of those games. But the ones on League Pass that I'll be watching at you know twelve thirty <laughs> at night uh, when they're playing the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, I don't think LeBron will be in that one. But all right, I will. So one more thing here, Eric Bledsoe, I think is going to get traded. Um, and I say I think, but think the writing's on the wall for sure yeah there's a lot of reports out that just and obviously if you just watched Eric Bledsoe play in the last three years in the playoffs I don't know why the Milwaukee Bucks would want to keep him they they made the wrong decision last offseason by picking him over Malcolm Brogdon I think they're going to try and rectify that I keep saying I think but from what I've read they're going to try and rectify that and get him out of there and yeah, they're, they're a team that apparently is going to try and go after a Drew Holiday, uh, who's been now made available from reports say who will be a hot, hot pick. I would love to see him go to like Denver somewhere if they mm-hmm. can do it for cheap next to Jamal Murray. That'd be cool. Um, but yeah, Eric Bledsoe, I don't know what a suitor for him would even look like. I don't know what team would be good for him. Um but it sounds like he's going to find his way out and the Bucks are going to try desperately to pair a third or a third player next to Milton and Giannis and Giannis is going to take whatever the Bucks are going to give him some giant offer and there he's probably going to take it, but that does not mean he won't get traded at one point. Yeah. Um, so yeah, poor Eric Bledsoe. He's just not been good. Darn. Really just, it really just all it is. It's kind of a shame because he's not bad during the regular season. It's just something. I don't know. There's, there's a fit for him out there. I mean, there's definitely a team. I d- just Milwaukee probably wasn't best, especially with how you know Budenholzer Budenholzer ran his offense and just kind of stuck with whatever the hell he wanted, even though it clearly wasn't working. And part of that probably isn't on Bledsoe as much as we make it out to be. Um, I'd almost like him on a you know maybe in a, as a part of that Drew Holiday trade to kind of yeah kind of take back over that 
you know, I don't, I don't think he needs to be the star on a team, mm-hmm. but I, I guess more of a, you know, a, a, an expanded role that kind of fits his play style and fits his leadership. You, you know, I, I think almost if you replace As a facilitators where he should probably try and shift his arc a little bit more. Yeah. I think there, there is a role somewhere for, you know, and I was just spitballing, you know, live here with us, with that Pelicans, maybe drew holiday, Eric, you know, some type of facilitation with that, but I can see the Knicks trying to make something for him too. Yeah. Yeah. Nixie plays. There's definitely a role for a good defender. He's still an all NBA defender. Yeah. I think he's still still a very good player. He just, just craps out when they need him the most. And that's kind of what you pay these players for. So. You put him next uh, alongside, you know, star shooters or, you know, other star talent, you know, there's, there is a fit for him somewhere where I think he could be, I just, I just don't know if his ceiling at his ceiling with the bucks is over. He He's yeah. reached his ceiling. That's the, that's the most that he'll be able to give that franchise mm-hmm. moving forward as we kind of reach that tail, the, the, the backside of his career. So yeah, what is he 30 now? Yeah. Yeah. 30, so, might be 30 or 31. Yeah, so we'll, the, we'll keep, keep your eye on him. He will likely get moved, and I'm I'm rooting for him to find a new home that fits his play style, his leadership, his and his defensive talents. Yeah, I think I think I think I also think a team like uh, the Clippers would be someone to keep an eye on just for trying to stabilize uh, what's left of going to be left of that team when they uh, figure everything out after yeah. they. I, I like that fit a lot, actually. I, I do. Kind of give give that team a stable force at point guard too. Yeah, so it's it's just it's clear that Bledsoe can't be the third or probably even the fourth. He probably has to be the fourth or fifth best player on a on a contending team if uh, if they want to maximize their their abilities. So or a second or third best on a rebuilding team looking for a a true veteran that he could he could absolutely go to the to the Knicks and be their second or third best player, and that would probably be a good fit for them. Yeah. Yeah, or even the magic or something like that. So, yeah, there, there's okay. something out there for him. I think uh, you got anything else you want to add? This is, I think we're, we're this about good. Part, this was a lot of stuff it, it felt good to get our, you know, our juice, our podcast juice is flowing once again yes. after disappearing from the world for a, a week. So, I, I, I appreciated this conversation and I, I look forward to continuing to have these every Friday, right? We're going to try and make it a thing. Yeah, I, I think I think we're pretty much set on this uh, on this Friday schedule. So we don't have that look, third wheel to knock us off our schedule anymore. <laughs> so we can kind of we can we can actually do what we want it to do. She she who must not be named. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. So we'll uh, we will see you guys back here next Friday and uh, give us some more feedback. We got a bunch of good feedback first time around with this show. Numbers look fantastic. So uh, we really appreciate everybody that tuned in for our debut episode. Uh, and uh, we look forward to building those numbers and, and, and you know, continuing this on to the future. Look, look at Later, it, folks. Face.